0: That's exactly what we're talking about right now. You see, in the Old Testament, there was what was called the promised land. And that was a land of God's promise. It was a geographical location that God prepared for his people. And it was a land that was described as flowing with milk and honey. In other words, abundance, prosperity. Every good thing they could want in this earth was in abundance. Uh, Homes they didn't build, cities they didn't build, buildings they didn't build that were prepared for them. And all they had to do was just believe God. Well, in the New Testament, it's not so much a geographical location, although the Lord may lead you to one. Uh, Our promised land is new life in Christ. Our promised land is all that God provided for us through Christ. The Father wants you to live the abundant life Christ came to give you, and we enter into that promised land in the same way, by just believing the Father. We're moving forward into the fullness of God's plan for our lives. We're, we're, we're living in and we're moving into all that He has purposed for us. So, this will be the last message in this series, I think. And uh, this was part five of moving forward. And we've been talking about moving forward in your divine identity, your divine time, and God's divine plan. And we know that all of these are embedded in your hard copy Bible, right? They're all right in here. Your divine identity, your divine time, and God's divine plan. As we meditate, as we exalt the written Word of God, recognize it for what it is, right? uh, For God's Word is active, quick, and powerful. It's it's God-breathed, it's inspired by God. It's the living Word of God. It's the written Word of God, living Word of God in written form. As we exalt it and recognize it for what it is and meditate in it, uh, your divine identity, your divine time, and God's divine plan for your life will begin to rise up off the pages, rise up in your heart, and you'll begin to see and understand things you couldn't understand in any other way. So we've been talking about uh, faith in the Word of God. This, 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 this is the most important thing that I possess, is this book, because in it contains the oracles of God. And uh, I, as I said before, I'm not a Bible thumper, we're not legalistic about this book, but we do recognize it for what it is. It is the living Word of God, and the spirit of this book will make you whole. It will make you whole, and it will bring you into the fullness of your destiny, your promised land. So when we put our faith, our confidence in the Word of God, we begin to see and understand things that we could not see and understand in any other way. Let's look at Hebrews 11.1 in the Amplified Translation, and we are going somewhere powerful this morning, so I hope you're ready. I hope your engine's running because we are going there. We're moving forward. You will not be the same when you leave today. Now faith, Hebrews 11.1, 1, this is the Amplified Translation. I love those first two words, now faith. God's promises are now for you. Through Christ, every promise has become your right now provision and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. All that Jesus did for you is for you Today. Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for. Being the proof of things we do not see, talking about our five senses, and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses, and please listen to part four. If you haven't already, listen to it a couple more times. Because we went into the difference between natural thinking, the five senses thinking, five sense knowledge, and spirit knowledge. However, you want to say it. The difference between the natural and the spiritual. When the Bible speaks of faith, it is not speaking of a random or a vague expectation. When the Bible talks of faith, it's speaking of an expectation that is focused and specific that comes from what God has already said. You don't have to drum up faith when you know what he said. Faith comes from hearing what he said. Sometimes you have to hear it multiple times, and that's okay. And sometimes I will say what he said to myself many times over because I'm, I'm strengthening myself in the reality of what he said. And your body needs that and your soul needs to hear it repeatedly. And that's all right. God's word reveals to us his character. When God speaks, he is revealing to us his will. When God speaks, he's revealing to us his plan. When God speaks in his written word, he's revealing to us his provision. When God speaks in his written word, he's revealing to us all that he's prepared for us in this life and the life to come. Now, faith, religious tradition can turn that into a struggle. Because religious tradition is not sure of God. Not sure of what He said. Not sure of what He's done through Christ. Religious tradition will get you to focus on your performance and on your faith. But faith is not a struggle when you simply realize what God has already said. When you know the Word of God regarding your situation and you meditate in that Word regarding your situation, faith rises to the surface in your life, in your heart, in your soul, and you begin to act on what God has said. So if if I'm being taunted by the enemy, or fear, or stress, or anxiety, anything's attempting to trouble me, I immediately go to the Word. Now, I've trained myself over the years. I have multiple scriptures for any situation, multiple, and it's autopilot now. As soon as I, if I step in a situation, scriptures just rise up in me, and they start coming out of my mouth, but that wasn't always like that. I had to get in my written word, write it down, meditate it, hear messages like you're hearing now. That is the same response that Jesus had when the devil taunted him. He didn't didn't give them a right hook. He didn't give them a roundhouse kick. He said, it is written. It became an automatic response. It's an automatic response for the children of God. If the Word of God is not an automatic response in you, you need to get in that book until it is. It should be an automatic response in every situation you face. Because it's the answer. It's the answer, right? Hallelujah. You fill your heart and your mind with his word by speaking it with your mouth. You say it. You sing it. You shout it. You dance it. You rejoice in it. And as you do this, you're going to begin to understand and see things. You're going to be able to see and understand that victory is already yours. I'm amazed at this in my life over the years. How it seemed like a, a losing situation that I wasn't going to come through. But as I began to sing and worship, God with his word, stand on what he said, what looked like a losing situation. I saw it very differently. I realized I already had the victory. I mean, what talk about a turnaround that I've already got it. So God's word reveals to us this realm of victory that our five senses cannot detect. Very important to understand that. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. We're hitting somewhere this morning. Come with me. If we're going to move forward in our destiny and live the life God's prepared for us, we must choose to be spiritually minded, not naturally minded. And it is a daily choice because you will be tempted to go with the five senses. Now, I use my five senses for natural things. You know, going to the pantry and getting a snack or whatever, you know. But I don't use my five senses to navigate God's destiny for my life. I don't use my five senses if the enemy starts to taunt me. I recognize that God gave us these five senses. But remember, our body fell from immortality to mortality. These senses aren't what God planned them to be. This is a mortal body. We're going to get a new one. But right now, right, we we, we want our spirit to dominate this mortal body, right? So we must choose to be spiritually minded. Well, let's read some scriptures here. Romans chapter 8, verse 6. For to be carnally, in other words, a mind set on the flesh or a mind set on what the five senses are telling you. This is where the world lives. This is how I was brought up. Right? If you feel it, do it, right? If you're feeling something, then you must be that. And that's, there's just nothing true about that. Your feelings can totally, completely mislead you. I mean absolutely lead you in the opposite direction of the direction you should be going. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, Because the carnal mind is enmity or hostile. I like that translation, hostile. It's against God. If you have trained yourself to live by what you can see, taste, touch, feel, and hear, by your natural reasoning, you are going to be hostile towards the things of God. They won't make sense to you. You'll get frustrated with people who talk about them. You'll get mad that you're not seeing them in your own life. So then, those who are in the flesh, those who are naturally minded or controlled by their five senses cannot please God. Verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. He's writing to believers. I say that to myself regularly. I'm not in the flesh, I'm in the spirit. I walk in the spirit. Say it about yourself. I walk in the spirit. Say it when you get up in the morning. I'm walking in the spirit today. I'm not in the flesh. I'm not controlled by my flesh. I control my flesh. My flesh is under the control of my recreated spirit. My emotions are under the control of my recreated spirit. This is not a new age philosophy. This is the Bible. This is being spiritually minded. Your spirit becomes uh, the for- takes the forefront, takes the lead in your life, and your soul and your body are subservient to your spirit. This is where life is. In fact, I like the way 1 Corinthians 2.14 says this. This is very good, 2.14. It says, but the natural man, you make me feel like a natural man. Yeah, I love that song, but that's not it. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Look at this next truth. For they are foolishness to him. There was a time when the Bible sounded foolish to me. Can you imagine thinking that God is foolish? Foolish. I can't think of anything uh, (laughs) sillier than that. (laughs) Right? So the natural person does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Everything we talk about here at Highway Church is all about what Christ did for us who Jesus is, what he's done for us, who we are in him. It's all about these spiritual realities that God has provided for us. When we hear them, we put our faith in them, we meditate in them, we act on them, they they make a uh, transfer from the spirit realm into our physical life, into our natural realm. There's a migration that takes place from the spiritual to the natural when you meditate in, believe, and act upon the Word of God. Spiritual realities become physical realities. We see this all throughout the Scriptures. And we're going to look at a great example of people in the Bible uh, who are conflicted with each other some who are naturally minded and some who are spiritually minded. I, I, I'm looking forward to getting there. We're almost there. Okay. All right. Well, how do we become spiritually minded? Are you born that way? Oh, no. Nope. No one is. Even when you're born again, you've got to train yourself to be spiritually minded. We are taught, we are, we are taught by most of us, by our natural families, to be naturally minded, to pay attention to your natural feelings, right, to how your body feels, how your emotions feel, and, and that's a common question. You'll even see it in interviews after a sports game. A sports game, they'll, they'll say, how do you feel? What's, what kind of question is that? You know, let's talk about the game or something, you know. How do you feel? You know, but the world's all about touchy-feely. Why is the world emphasizing touchy-feely? Because there's no life there. They're set, they don't understand spiritual things. They don't understand. They want you to become touchy-feely. Oh, how did that person make you feel when they said that? They made you feel bad, then what they said is bad, and they should never say that. We're going to censor them. Right? That's what the world does. We want no one to feel bad, so everyone's got to close their mouths. Right? And only say what the government says we should say, right? So the government, yeah, the government wants to tell you when you should feel good and when you should feel bad. They do. They want to dictate to you what's good and what's bad. But man doesn't know what's good and bad. The only way you can truly know what's really good is by taking God at His word. And these things are spiritually discerned by people who have chosen to be spiritually minded. How do we be spiritually minded? By meditating on what God has already said. Filling our minds with the Word of God. And this does not happen automatically. I'm talking about you daily choosing to to take this written Word of God and put it in your heart. So take Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 8, and meditate. Take it with you to work tomorrow. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him, know Him, confess Him, affirm Him in all your ways, and He will direct your paths. Fear the Lord, turn away from evil, it will be health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Proverbs 3, 5, 3, I just picked a scripture, that was the first one I ever memorized. But I thought, man, if if I get this in me, I'm all set. It changed my whole life. I began to trust the Lord to direct me every day as I'm doing the things I need to do. And even as I was doing the things I need to do, the Holy Spirit would direct me and say, I want you to make a little shift here. I want you to make a little shift here. I want you to move in this direction. You don't necessarily need to do that as much anymore. You need to shift and put some energy towards this now. You need to shift your focus towards that. And it all comes by meditating in the Scriptures. We become spiritually minded by purposefully putting the Word of God in our hearts and minds. By renewing our mind with what God has already said. Now listen, we just read that these things are foolish to naturally-minded people. You will face opposition for believing God. If you think you won't, well, then you're just denying reality. We're living in enemy territory. If your family's natural-minded, boy, are they going to make fun of you. My family wanted to literally have me committed to a mental hospital for believing God. I just read the Bible to him, and that was enough. to so say you, 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 need, you need help. We're going to get you help, and you need to be committed. I just read them Psalm 121. <laughs> you know, but, but that's foolishness. I, I could even go so far to say if you're, you're really in natural, it's insanity to some. they think you're not mentally sane for believing God because they're so caught up in their five senses and their natural reasoning, you come in with a spiritual truth and that's like, you know, that's just total clash. Even ministers or believers who are, can be naturally minded, and you, and you all of a sudden start learning new things about the finished work of Christ and healing and the Spirit of God, and they'll come straighten you out. They'll come to tell you how wrong you are. Right, 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 right. We, we need to correct your theology. Well, I'm just believing what Jesus did for me. I'm just, ta- I'm just looking at the book of Acts and realizing the Holy Spirit has come. I don't have to wait for him anymore. I just received the baptism of the Holy Spirit like the apostles did. Oh, you can't do that. Well, I already did it. It's already done. See, people can't talk you out of something when you know it's yours. How do we become sure and certain of what's ours as we get in this book? And I'm telling you, you've got to be passionate about it. You can't be a, uh, you know, mamby-pamby, wimpy, uh, oh, I don't know if it's for me or not. you got to say, if God said it, it's mine. This is who I am. I am God's son. I am God's daughter. I've been raised up with Christ and seated at his right hand. This is who I am. So just be aware that, well, I'm sure you're aware, but, you know, people are going to make fun of you. They're going to say nasty things about you. You may lose friends. You may lose initially quite a few relationships in your life. But I decided Jesus is my best friend about 30-some years ago. And I don't care if no one else talks to me. If I've got the risen Christ living in me, I've got everything I need. And it's a wonderful thing when you're no longer, uh, uh, peer pressure is no longer a force in your life. When you're no longer concerned about uh, who likes you and who doesn't like you. And being, you know, in the right circles. The circle that God has prepared you for is the circle of His Son. It's the the place where you know who He is and you know what He's done for you. And you're living in the, the, the destiny that He's prepared for your life. Hallelujah. Now. Let's read Romans 15. We've got two more scriptures, then we're going to go into this example in the, uh, of, uh, from the Old Testament. Second, uh, Romans 15, Romans 15. Hallelujah. There are several examples in the scriptures of natural-minded thinking and spiritually-minded thinking. There are examples in the scriptures of how to think. And there are a lot of examples of how not to think in the Scriptures. So just because someone thinks that way in the Bible doesn't mean it's the way you should think. You have to line it up with the Word of God. Romans 15.4 tells us that whatever was written in earlier times, right, this would be the Old Testament, was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have confident expectation. That's what hope means in that verse. That we might be sure and certain of what the Father has done for us through his Son. All right? Hallelujah. Now, 2 Peter 1, this is a a scripture you'll hear me refer to often. Verse 2 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As you put the knowledge of His Word in you, grace and peace will be multiplied in your life. Seeing that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. So what has God granted to us? According to that scripture, everything pertaining to life and godliness. He didn't leave anything out, right? Verse 4 says, For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, his word, in order that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature. This is our New Testament promised land. You experiencing the divine nature. You walking in your divine nature. You walking in the Spirit, fellowshipping with the one who made you, doing what he's called you to do, triumphing over the enemy, being Christ's ambassador in the earth. That's your promised land. 2 Corinthians chapter 120 says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen, so be it, is spoken by us to the glory of God. Two very important scriptures. We see through these scriptures that the promises of God reveal to us our divine identity. They reveal to us our divine time and God's divine plan for our lives. They reveal to us who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. So we at Highway major in the promises of God. Well, that's because you're greedy. I am greedy for the things of God, very greedy. You know, God is jealous. Yes. There's, a, there's a negative and a positive to every emotion. Greedy in terms of, you know, uh, um, coveting uh, treasures or, or earthly wealth, that's not a good greedy. But refusing to have anything else but what God has paid for, for me, what God has, that's a good greedy. That's right. I must have what God did for me. The kingdom of heaven is taken That's right. by those who are forceful. Why? Because there's opposition in this earth. You have an enemy who, who knows how to be forceful. You've got to be more committed to what God has said than he is to taking you down, than Satan is to taking you out. You've got to be more committed to God's love for you. You've got to be more committed to what God has said to you than the enemy is to taking you out. So this is a very passionate, fiery thing, walking with God. We're, we're greedy people in the sense that we, we know what God has said and we will not accept anything else. In our lives, we can't control other people. But as far as we are concerned, in our heart and in our minds, you can't change other people. But you've got to decide for yourself, I will experience all that Christ purchased for me in this lifetime and the next. All right, let's go to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. Now in the Old Testament, we just read in Romans that there are all kinds of things we can look to that will give us strength and encouragement that will help us to persevere as New Testament believers. So the Old Testament is very important. Okay, There are all kinds of foreshadowing and types of Christ. The Old Testament shows us what we've been redeemed from and and points us to the coming of the Messiah. But we're going to look at the Old Testament in Numbers 13 at the, the people of God, the nation of Israel at this point. They've been delivered from bondage. They've been delivered from hundreds of years of slavery. And God brought them out on the the night they were delivered. As they left, there was not one sick one among them. And he brought them out with silver and gold, wealthy. He brought them out wealthy and healthy. They hadn't gotten to the promised land yet, but that was step one. These These are the basics of the gospel, health and wealth. And that's why the naturally-minded people criticize p- preachers who, who preach what I preach, right? They can't understand these things. It's the first thing God did in their lives when he delivered them. You look at this. It was, a, it was step one, healing and, pro- and provision, prosperity. Step one, these aren't the deep things of God. These are the basics of God. This is the milk of the Word. Healing is, healing is A-B-C. And that's why there's so much controversy over it because it's so plain in the Scriptures. It's so clear. It's the first thing God provided for you. How can you fulfill your destiny if you're not whole? If you can't move? God made you to walk. He made you to run and to jump. He made you to breathe, to inhale and exhale. He made you to have a clear mind. He purchased that for you. That's step one. It's step one. I want to tell you something. If you see someone criticizing a preacher online, that's a naturally-minded person. I'm just helping you. I've seen some of the greatest ministers of our day get just so highly criticized on social media by naturally-minded people. Now, a spiritually-minded person, even if I disagree, with what a minister's saying, I'm not going to publicly call them out. That's not godly. Now, if there's an idea that's being communicated, as a pastor in my church, I'll talk about the idea. I'm not going to call their name out. See, that's naturally minded stuff, stirring up controversy. I don't even respond to stuff like that. I've got better things to do. If you're naturally minded, you'll be trying to put out all these fires that are being stirred up by naturally minded people, and you'll get very tired. When you're spiritually minded, it's like you don't even notice the fires. (laughs) Just keep going. Keep going. I don't have to hurry. I don't have to run. I don't have to respond to so-and-so, right? They're just being a baby. I'm not going to respond to them, right? They're just a little naturally minded baby. It's okay. I don't say that to them. I just keep on going, right? If someone's interested in knowing Christ, I'm happy to talk with them. I'm not interested in arguing over the Bible. Why would I argue over something that's plainly true? Right? Why? There's no point in that. If they're interested in knowing, I'm happy to talk with them about it. Numbers 13. We're looking at the people of God now. Let's start in verse 1. It says, the Lord spoke unto Moses. This is God himself speaking to Moses. Moses was their pastor. saying, send send men that they may search the land of Canaan. This is the promised land God had given them. Which I give, this is God talking, which I give unto the children of Israel. We read in 2 Peter 1 that he's already given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Don't have to ask God to do it. He's already done it. I just need to realize what he's already done, believe it, and act on it. So he says, which I give. It's already done. That's all they needed to know. Which I give unto the children of Israel of every tribe of their fathers shall you send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, that's what the word of God is. Everything God says is his commandment. If he speaks it, it's settled. We need to train ourselves to realize he is God. He knows everything. He's perfect in all his ways. He speaks it so. Hallelujah. The Lord sent them from the wilderness of Paran, all those men who, uh, who, who were heads of the children of Israel. Now, for time's sake, we're not going to read through all of this, but so 12 men were sent to survey what God had given them. Okay? We're going to see a gross contrast between 10 of these men and 2 of these men. Only 2 of them were spiritually minded. So what is, what's the percentage of 2 out of 12? Somebody help me. Six, six, 16%? I don't know. What is it? What is it? 16.6. Yeah. So we'll round it off. We'll, say, we'll be generous. 17%. Okay. 17% of the people of God. Actually, that's just of those. Of, they were the only two and Moses out of the entire nation. I wonder what the percentage is today of, of Christians who are spiritually minded. Sixteen percent? That might be kind of generous. <laughs> I'm just being real with you. I mean, I've never taken surveys, just in my experience, my estimation, it's it's pretty small. We okay? We're just looking to the scriptures and you gotta understand you might not be in the majority what looks like the majority in this world, but the majority is with you. Because there are far more in the realm of the Spirit that are for you than they can ever be against you. So you might not have a bunch of Christians cheering you on. They might be trying to discourage you. This is exactly what happened here. These are God's people. They just, with their five senses, experienced some of the greatest miracles the world had ever seen. Their enemies were terrified of them. The news of their deliverance from the greatest nation in the world spread like wildfire. So they come back from their survey in verse 27. And they tell Moses, say, We came unto the land that you sent us, and surely it flows with milk and honey. And here's the fruit of it. They brought back a cluster of grapes that was so big, two men had to carry it on a rod between their shoulders. Phew. I've never seen anything like that at Hannaford's. Yeah. Surely, there's no doubt about it. It's flowing with milk and honey. Here's We brought back some evidence of that. See, they're, they're, they're sense-minded. We've got to have physical evidence. But that doesn't work. Nevertheless, the people be strong. This is is 10 men's report out of the 12. Even though there is amazing prosperity there, the people be strong. That dwell in the land and the cities are walled. And very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. It's all about their senses, isn't it? Have they mentioned anything about what God has said? Not one thing. Naturally-minded people don't think about what God has said. You can put it on a greeting card, but that's as far as you better go. Right? You can have it on your refrigerator, but, I mean, don't actually practice it. That's ridiculous, right? That's for Lulu, crazy people. Verse 29. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell. So they start listing all of their opposition. Amazing. This is what the natural mind does. It focuses on the opposition. It focuses on the challenges. It focuses on uh, the situation and circumstances and, and leaves what God says behind. Hallelujah. Dwell by the sea, by the coast of the Jordan, verse 30. So Caleb just stops them. Just Caleb and Joshua, the only two men... Who took God, who were spiritually minded. So Caleb stills the people. I think that's a nice way of saying he he shut them up, right? (laughs) Caleb stills the people before Moses, their pastor, and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. Do you see the gross contrast here between naturally minded and spiritually minded? The naturally minded, they, they, they go in there, you and grabbing, touching with their senses, what they see, touch, they come back and they just give a list of everything they, they've, they've, the conclusions they've come to based on their five senses, and it looks pretty bleak to them, because they can't see what God sees. When you, when you take God at His word, you'll see that your opposition is your lunch, Caleb stilled the people before Moses, and he said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Amen. Amen. That's all he had to say. Let's count to 1, 2, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 17 words. When you know what God has said, you don't have to say much. I mean, they gave a dissertation when they came back. The natural mind has got so many reasons why you can't obey God. I mean, they'll just, go, they'll just pull out a, a, a journal, you know. Well, you, this and this and that and that and that and that and that and that. And well, you can't. What about this and all that? And who, You know what happened to so-and-so? And You remember what happened to them? And, and they just go on and on and on. But you don't need any of that when you know what God has said. That's right. yeah. When you're spiritually minded, you don't need to explain Yourself. Don't get caught up in that distraction of having to feel of feeling like you have to justify and explain yourself to naturally minded people. The media is overrun with naturally minded people. I just whenever I I don't watch it often, but I see the media interviewing something. I just shake my head. I said they're just so naturally minded. And it's just the things they think on, the, why they, the way they try and lead the people they're interviewing. And if they do get actually a, a quality person that they're interviewing who has good morals, they try and turn them into a fool because they're naturally minded. Hallelujah. You don't need to go with the media. I like what Bill Belichick does when he's asked the question. Then he walks off. That's good. Perfect. That's all you do. That's all you Just be Bill Belichick when someone tries to talk you out of following God. (laughs) Love it. Nothing like a Bill Belichick interview. (laughs) So here he goes. He said, let's go up at once. Let's not delay. There's no need to delay. God's already spoken. I don't have to wait for something to happen. God has spoken. It belongs to us. Let's possess it for we are able to overcome it. That doesn't work with natural people. But the men that went up with them said, we be not able, wow, to go up against the people. For they are stronger than we are. And they brought up an evil report. They're not swearing. They're not doing drugs. What's evil to God not believing him? That's evil. Saying the opposite of what he's already said is evil. Just being real with you. If you want to be strong spiritually, you need truth. They weren't throwing down, you know, some hard liquor or smoking joints. The evil report is they were saying the opposite of what God said to the people. They were contaminating the atmosphere and and keeping God's people from stepping into what he already had given them. Hallelujah! And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, the land which thou, you have gone into and searched is a land that eats up its inhabitants. They were only in there for 40 days. What are they talking about? They don't know that. You will see things so differently when you're naturally minded. Everything will seem like a challenge and a threat to you. And things will seem much worse than they are when you're naturally minded. This land eats you. <laughs> it eats up its inhabitants. <laughs> Who's going to eat who here? That's the question you need to ask in your life. Who's going to eat who? I want you to look what they said. It eats, it's going to eat us up. Thanksgiving's coming. And all the people... That, that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight. True confession, right? As grasshoppers. Grasshopper, right? <laughs> and so we were in their sight. That's not true. If you'll read the scriptures, you'll find that they were terrified of God's people. Why? Because they knew God was with them and they didn't have a chance. Isn't that amazing? Naturally thinking will turn you into prey instead of the victor. Naturally thinking turns you into a victim instead of the victor. It does every time, every single time. And you'll be looking for someone to deliver you from it. But all you got to do is believe God. So remember what they said. This land eats us. It eats up the people who come into it. And that all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried. Oh, boy. They're listening to the wrong people. Listening to the wrong voices will make you cry. Just being real with you. It will give you depression, anxiety, stress. And the people wept that night. They didn't have anything to cry about. God just told their pastor, God's given that to you. Right. Said, go take it. And they're crying all night. Yeah, yeah. That just doesn't make sense. That's what will happen. You, instead of a life of joy and victory, you'll live a life of weeping and anxiety. Right, right. And all the t- I'm sorry, I went to chapter 14. Did I tell you that? Numbers 14, 1, verse 2. And all the children of Israel murmured against their pastor. Why? Because he heard from God. Hello. And against Aaron, the pastor's helper. And the whole congregation said, so we're talking about much less than, you know, I don't know what percentage this would be. But there was quite a few people. I don't know. It was a few million, I think, at that time. And we got just Moses, Aaron, Joshua, and Caleb. Ooh. And we're talking about .0 something now, aren't we? Wow. They murmured against their pastor, against the pastor's assistant, and the whole congregation said to them, would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God we had died in this wilderness, wherefore has the Lord brought us into, now they're blaming, they blame their pastor and they blame God, right? Wherefore God has brought us into this land to fall by the sword, they're going to eat us and our wives and our children to be prey. Wow, were it not better for us to return into Egypt? Wow, that's what natural mind does. It turns you in the wrong direction. And you start desiring the very things that put you in bondage. Wow. Come on, are you seeing this with me? Are we, are we walking together? Woo. Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel and Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh. That's a good name, Jephunneh. Uh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. Wow. And they spoke unto all the company of the children. That doesn't mean they paid money to borrow them. It means they tore their clothes. Right? <laughs> and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord. Unbelief is rebellion. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Don't rebel against the Lord. I love spiritually minded folks. Yeah. Neither fear the people of the land. Now wait a minute, we're talking about eating here. Look what the spiritually minded people say. Yeah. Your enemies, our enemies are bread for us. That's the opposite. They're saying they're gonna eat us and say, No, they're our bread. We're gonna eat them. Who's gonna eat who in your life? Come on. It's time for you to eat your oppressor. To eat the things that have come against you, to devour them. How do we devour the things that come against us? By opening our mouths and saying what God says. You eat with your mouth. You will take possession of what God purchased for you with your mouth. Wow, I love this. They are bread for us. Their defense has departed from. See, there's, they knew the truth by the Spirit of God because they believed God. They knew that they didn't have a chance. Their defense has departed from, and the Lord is with us fear them not man you think everyone said yeah no but all the congregation said let's stone them <laughs> this is how the natural mind does it wants to stone those who preach faith it does it wants to stone those who preach healing. Why well, would It wants to stone those who say, Just believe. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Natural-minded Christians can't handle that. There's got to be some uh, performance involved. I've got I've to earn some of this. I've got to get some of the credit. No, just believe. Woo! So the congregation wants to stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appears in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord says unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? Wow. And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Because he that comes to him must believe that he is God, that he is who he says he is, that every word he's spoken is truth, and that he is a great rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So this is an appropriate message preceding Thanksgiving, because we're about to eat on Thursday. But when you eat something, you you take authority over it. It's food for you. You're not afraid of it, unless I cook it, right? No. You're not afraid of it. You're putting it in your body. It's nourishment to you. Food, we were made to eat food that would nourish us and make us strong. Do you know that rising up against opposition, standing on the word of God, saying it with your mouth, and eating your oppression will make you strong? Coming against the things that are coming against you will make you strong. And I'm telling you, you're going to have to do it in this lifetime. You, you don't, don't try and avoid it. Hit it head on. It's not going to eat you. You're going to eat it. It's bread for you. It will make you strong. It will make you strong to say in the face of opposition, by his stripes I am healed. To say in the face of lack, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He's leading me into places of plenty. It will make you strong to resist the enemy. (laughs) Many years ago, I... Uh, while I was trying to capture Jennifer's attention, I went to a gym called Hard Bodies. Back in Northwest Ohio, I wanted to have big muscles so Jennifer would notice me, right? <laughs> no, I, I like to exercise, but Jennifer wouldn't even go into this gym because it was it was like a... Yeah, it was called Hard Bodies and everyone just grunted and threw weights around. And, it wasn't like that place where they don't let you grunt. It wasn't one of those deals. You could shout, holler kick the walls in this place. It was a greasy gym. I loved it. But anyway, we, I go in that gym and I get this weight that was not easy to pick up. And I just push against it. And I keep pushing against it. And pushing against it. And pushing against it. And I got stronger. I got stronger as I pushed against the weight. That was coming against me. Push against the enemy in your life. Push against his fear and his lies. Push. Come on. Bench press the devil. Come on. Bench press him. He's your lunch. He's food for you. You're a victor in Christ. I don't know if it's in the right order. Can we put John 16 up there? And then I'm going to read you a quote from my buddy Lillian B. Yeoman. John 16.33, can we put that up there in the Amplified? I'm sorry, can we uh, go back to John 16.33 if we could? It's earlier, I think, in the presentation. I just wanted to save it for last. John 16.33 in the Amplified. This is Jesus talking, and the Amplified brings out uh, some clarity and depth to what he says here. It says, I have told you these things, So all that Jesus told us so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. Remember the word peace, Iranian in the Greek, shalom in the Hebrew, wholeness and prosperity. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect wholeness and prosperity and confidence. In the world you have tribulation, trials, Distress and frustration. Hello. Right? That's the world we live in. But be of good cheer. I want you to look at this. Be of good cheer. Take courage. You have to take it. You have to grab a hold of it. You have to take possession of what God's given you. Take courage. Be confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. For I have overcome the world... I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Woo! Take courage, be confident, be certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. What does that mean? I did it for you. I've deprived it of power to harm you. I've conquered it for you. I saw Satan fall like lightning for heaven. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. I give you power over all the power of the enemy. Those who believe in my name, they'll cast out devils. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Hallelujah. 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 Woo! Yeah. <laughs> we eat devils for for appetizers. Yeah. Right. What do you want for dinner? I'll take a couple devils. <laughs> yeah. right. They're defeated. All right, let me read you uh, a quote, and I, I listened to a message from Nancy Dufresne uh, excellent minister, and she called her message A Diet of Giants. I love that. But this is a quote from Lillian B. Yeomans. You remember I mentioned, I mentioned her periodically, uh, one of my heroes in the faith. Uh, she was, uh, I told, her, told you about her last week, but she was a physician uh, from a family of physicians and then uh, went through some very challenging times, uh, was on her deathbed in her mid-40s and uh, could find no relief, but she ended up. Uh, studying the scriptures and realizing divine health had been provided for her through Christ, and by through faith in the scriptures, she was raised up off her deathbed, and she began a ministry, and began traveling, preaching, and teaching the gospel. So she was uh, at some point in her life—I didn't get the year on this—but she was uh, uh, asked to come and speak at a Bible school, and one of the Bible school students. Um, knew of her medical background, Dr. Yeoman's medical background. And she asked this question, she said, Dr. Yeoman, is there any particular diet you favor and believe in? Listen to her response. Yes. There is a diet I believe in. I believe in a diet of giants. Just devour each one that comes your way. And become spiritually stalwart. Amen. Spiritually minded. Yeah. Yes, there is a diet I believe in. I believe in a diet of giants. Just devour each one that comes your way and become spiritually stalwart. Stalwart means immovable, strong, unshakable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as I prayed about 2022, those are the words that come up to me, stalwart, sure, certain, strong. The year of being sure and certain, of being stalwart and strong. 2022, highway family. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you, Lord God, for making our giants our lunch. Thank you, Lord, for for this diet you've given us of victory. Lord, where we eat up the opposition, where we, we chew it and spit it out, and we go forward into all that you've prepared for us. Lord, we thank you for making us spiritually stalwart people. We choose to be spiritually minded. We choose to meditate on who you are, on what you've done for us in Christ Jesus, and who we are in you. And Lord, I pray for this highway family, Father, that we would be focused on you, that we would turn from the noise of this natural world and focus on what you have already said in your written word. In Jesus' name, God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of His goodness, who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.